Hello and welcome back to Quantum Podcast for part two of the Ben Pearson episode. Now, I hope you enjoyed the first as he gives some great insights into how he came up in the police, the training you have to go through, different scenarios, obviously the weirdest stuff that you've seen, which was quite good. But this one is a very different vibe to the first. In this one, I talked to Ben about mental health, um, how he came to retire as a police officer, the incidents that led to that event and also how he then picked himself back up afterwards when he was at his lowest point to now become the person that he is where he speaks publicly about his problems and he now even gives presentations within the police itself. So I want to say thank you to Ben for this one because he's so open and honest and I think it's going to help a lot of people who may be suffering with some issues, maybe anxiety or depression or anything. And he just talks so openly that it really makes you feel like you're not alone in that. With that said, I do hope you enjoy this episode and please make sure to check out Ben's stuff. He has two books out currently, a third cut is on the way and also he has a new TV show on Channel 5 in the UK called Motorway Madness, so check that out. Also, please remember to like and subscribe and share with anyone who may be interested in the podcast as I want to spread it to as many people as I possibly can and I can't do that without your help. I would also like to give a trigger warning. There are mentions of suicide and depression and anxiety, so please be aware of this before going into the episode. Thank you. So how did you end up getting involved with the Police Interceptors TV show then? Because I'm quite interested to hear that how that happened. Um, it's It's... It's not as glamorous as what you think. So the film Traffic Cops and Interceptors have filmed with us for a long time. And because I'm an actual white streak, I I never wanted to go on it because everyone knew me in area anyway, that where I live. Um, and the amount of hassle I got from being, you go in a pub and people start shouting pig at you, or you go in a gym and people follow you around. And I never wanted that extra um, notoriety, so to speak. And then Baby Ben, who are tutoring, um, he got asked to go on it when I were off um, on a car, I think we're on a motorbike refresher, and I, he got asked to go on it. So I've come back in the office one day, and this is uh, I've been filming for this this last week, and it's been quite good. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, no. So James, the cameraman, come up to us, <clears throat> really nice lad, um, and he just went, "I'll come out with you if you want. You don't have to say anything, and I won't film you. Just I'll just film Ben." So I said, "Yeah, go on then." I said, "Don't film me. I don't want to speak." And within 20 minutes of going out, I was just chatting. But he says, you don't realise that you're chatting. So you're like, you're going through an airbrush, a really shitty area in your own. I don't like the look of that. And you just talk, but he's like, he's not filming you. He's just talking to you. Like, Tell me why you don't like the look of that. Well, look at driver. Driver just looks odd. Driver looks so suspicious. No seatbelt. He's put his, put his arm up over his face and he's turned away. And so he says, that's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for anything else. Um, and then you'd see something. And as soon as you see something, you turn the steering wheel and you, because I would driver, you go for it. You'd hear that beep, beep in back of car and he just switched the cameras on. So there were cameras in car. Ben had a camera on him and his camera that he'd have on his shoulder would go off. And then he'd say, Ben, what have you seen? Not to me, to baby Ben. He'd say, what have you seen? So Ben would say, Ben's just seen this car here that I don't like look of. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna pull it over and speak to the driver. Um, and that's it, I'd just be doing that. Then he might say, Ben, do you want to just tell us what you've seen? And I'd be like, Yeah, I've just seen this car here. I don't like where driver's acting, so I'm gonna pull it over. And that's how it just starts. Then the more confidence you get, the more um, roles you, when I say roles you get, the more you, you're able to speak. And then you get to think of what, like a golden tickets or for golden jobs. So if you see something and it leads into one of these main stories on interceptors, 
you get like you go back and they put it on a golden ticket so they'd say to director this is a main storyline this is a main story or it might be a, a bronze ticket which you go this is a filler episode or this is so and so and me and Ben were going out and we we're just getting loads and loads of golden tickets literally every car we got behind I like that like that put it on it failed to stop so we got more recognisable because of the show and then yeah. cameraman would come in and go um, I want to go out with Ben and Ben today and I'm like oh god here we go but then it got to a point where they were going out with us and I thought well if they're going out with us they're in car I might as well make an effort here so then I started talking, found it really uncomfortable, didn't feel like it were for me. And then by that time, Series 1 had already come out with us on it, and then people would be, oh, you're him off TV. And then it, it break down stereotypes, so you'd have criminals coming up to you and shaking your hand and talking to you. And then you'd go out somewhere, and rather than shout pig, people would be coming up to you and talking to you. Rather than So the negative aspect went, and the positive aspect started, and that's why I liked it then. Um, so I didn't think that had happened, though. I thought yeah, that would make that, it worse. No, other way around, because they realise you're not an idiot. They realise you're not a dick in a uniform. They realise that you're just Ben, and then you're a nice yeah. lad. So all the hate stopped, and the goodness started. So gangs of lads started where you're going up, up and gangs of lads be sat going, oh, that's him over there, or the wanker, whatever, a pig. They'd go, oh, that's my fat TV programme over there. And it comes, hey, mate, you all right? Can we sit with you? Come over Yeah. And you'd be making friends rather than you making enemies because it break down all those barriers. And then the more you went on it, the more you'd have a laugh, the more you'd react, the more you'd start smiling and cracking jokes, the more people like, and it was this never-ending circle. The more you did so, the better you got, the more people. And it's just, it's just gone on from there, and then that's how it's led to where we are now. So, yeah. Did it ever so, affect, did it, like the cameras being there ever affect the work that you did? Because obviously, like, say, for example, you're out on the town at 3 a.m. and someone's having a scrap. Does the camera then cause more problems than good? Because obviously everyone who's drunk sees a camera, they want to get over to it and see what's going on. Um, I see what you're saying, but not like that, no, because a lot of people think, you know, Channel 5's here. And then a lot of people are dispersed. Uh. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go and watch the TV and I'm a solicitor or my mum's going to see me. But the dicks would stare, the assholes would stare. Um, but then they're just going to look stupid on camera. But most of the camera people, like James, He's six foot two, he's really muscly and he, he trains in Crab McGar and he's really, really fit. So technically on a foot chase, he'd be out running us anyway and he'd be chasing the suspect himself at camera. And if we're involved in a fight, he'd probably be helping us out and put camera down. So it were always just, they'd never get in your way, they'd always be, and they'd see something that you hadn't seen. So they'd say, I've just got this on camera now, he's got something in his back pocket, he's just put it in his pocket, it's on his camera. So you'd be like, right, what have you got in your back pocket? So they'd be seeing stuff that you hadn't seen. Does that yeah. make sense? And I'll give you an example for one of them. Um, he had, uh, we had cameras in car and lads trying to get over. He's locked up in back seat and he's trying to get over in that front seat to drive away from car. And it's only when we've watched the footage, we can see that he's trying to get rid of all this evidence and he's trying to get over in that front seat. And it's little things like that. You, you think, yeah. like, you've got this if you want, I've got cameras in car. So it were a blessing that we had them. Um, if I hadn't been poorly, if he hadn't gone off sick and they've asked me to do it again, I'd have done it again. Because all it does is create goodness. It creates people liking the police. It builds a reputation for the police. There's so much negativity about the police. It does good stuff all the time. Um, but it made Bradford look like a shithole. And Bradford is a shithole. You can't, you can't get around that fact. Um, and people, councillors didn't like that. And certain people in the police didn't like that. And that's why it stopped. But for everyone else that liked the police... Uh, didn't like the police. It, it it made us. It broke down barriers. It made us look like we're approachable humans. And yeah, I'll never forget that. 
Yeah. The so you said there, like obviously when you got ill, if you hadn't got ill, you would have carried on doing it. So what was the catalyst to lead into you retiring from the force? Um, so there's there's a few things. Uh, obviously, this is not a uh, I don't slag things off because that's not me. There's a few things like how you were dealt with when you went to fatal collisions. So you were dealing with fatal collisions involving people on fire, people that were dismembered, you know, torsos cutting half, missing heads or whatever. There were no sort of grounding for you. There were no one to talk to afterwards. There was no one to say, right, are you okay? Um, do you want to talk to me? You're living in an alpha male or alpha female world, so you don't talk about your feelings anyway. You'd be coming in like, oh, you see that pursuit I had last night, oh, and this sort of thing. And you wouldn't be saying, well, I went to a child fatal yesterday, and it's technically, it's, it's sat in my mind. I'm, I'm getting really upset about this, and I can't. You'd be like, get a grip of yourself. Do you know what I mean? There were no yeah. one to so I talked to. Then I lost my parents really quickly. Um, I switched my mum's ventilator off 11 days after she went for an operation. And then that that really, really affected me because it was me that took responsibility for my mum's death. And it was like I killed my mum, even though I didn't. But that's how it felt. And then the first day back at work, I dealt with a two-year-old that run over by a truck and he was decapitated. Um, wow. And I was literally just, I was in tears because I'd just literally been with my mum two weeks before. I've just dealt with, lost my mum. And I was just told to go back to office and do paperwork. So I was sat in an office crying because I just dealt with a two-year-old kid that would have decapitated by a 44-ton truck. Just lost my mum. And I was just sat in an office on my own doing paperwork crying. And I had no one, no one to look after me, no one to say, this lad's struggling here, this lad's got a few issues. And then next day, fatal, 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 just went fatal after fatal after fatal. And it was just weighing me down. The mental health, I was breaking. Um, there were, I had massive issues that people should have seen that I didn't see but I didn't see myself um but I would isolate myself I want being a team member I was snapping I was getting pulled over from my pursuits my pursuits were exemplary my commentary were exemplary and I was one of the best on the team then I, I was losing it I was losing the skills driving I was shouting at people in pursuits I was swearing and it was getting picked up by a driver training then which it should have been hang on why is this happening to this lad then I was going on the motorcycle escort course and now I was having massive issues and I was failing and no one picked up. There were all the signs there, but no one picked up. But I didn't know because I was poorly myself. Then my dad got terminal cancer and that Christmas he died. We died with my brother and me by his side. And that was basically, that were it then. I was starting to, I was starting to get suicidal. Um, I was getting massive, massive issues with myself and my family. There were roads I was going down. I couldn't come back. I found out I was going through traffic lights, blue lights on passing out at wheel. Because of noise and stress, anxiety had overtaken, depression had overtaken. Then it got to one point, I went out to a job with baby Ben and I just broke, just got to a scene and switched them. Ding ding cuckoo, free beers, shot of a six pack. You know, I lost his marbles, whatever you want to call it. And I was just, I was hysterical at Side Road, just in tears. Got referred straight to the mental health unit and they said, Yeah, your brain's gone, you've, you've folded, you've had a major breakdown. You see, find your CP unit, whatever you want to call it. Then they referred me to specialist trauma care. And they said, you've, you've gone. You, you Basically, I had to go back to basics of feeding myself, getting dressed myself. Uh, all I was doing was crying all the time. I preventing all the time. I can't go near a police station. Um, I took my kids to school. Police car came past me. Blue lights and sounds. I pissed myself outside the road. Um yeah, can't deal with certain other things, can't deal with loud noises, can't deal with loud bangs. Um, 
And then I've had to learn to build myself up over the last basically nearly three years now from nothing um, into being able to go to... Now, I don't go to police stations. This is the difference. I've got police complexes, so I'll go to civilian locations like campuses or whatever to do police lectures on mental health, to do my YouTube channel and podcasts um, and talking about stuff to making sure people don't go through the same thing that I've gone through. So now they've brought in a thing called TRIM, which is Trauma Risk Injury, Injury Incident Management. So now there is someone after fatal events. Excuse me, I've got to get, I'm sorry. I don't know what it is for me. It's all good. Um, I've go to certain events like fatals. The next day there's someone from the police log contacts you. Hi, I'm my last does it. Hi, I'm Melissa. Uh, I'm your trim manager. Uh, I'd like to speak to you about the event, how you're feeling. This sort of things have been put in place. I'm not saying that's because of me, um, but I released my book and it's gone around the world and people in different forces have altered the way they do stuff. My videos using certain police forces for firearms training and mental health training. Uh, I've got loads of lectures to do. Like next month, I'm going down to Nottingham. I'm doing Nottinghamshire Police and I'm going to City of London, doing City of London Police. And then just telling them all the signs and symptoms of why and how this can happen because I was one of the people that was sat at the back saying mental health for weak people. Uh, it's a joke. You shouldn't be in this job if you've got mental health issues and why can't you cope if I can cope? I was the alpha male at the back of the room that was saying that and I was the one that would never break. If you had said to anyone who was going to break, it wouldn't have been me and it was me. And the simple fact is everything can get on top of people. And until you start talking about your issues, until you start opening your mouth, nothing gets resolved. So we always say, have you, you do know the analogy with a cup of water. Yeah, you can hold a cup of water out with your arm and I'll hold a cup of water here and I'll drink from it. You hold it out with your arm, give you three hours. I've, I keep putting mine down, I'm fine. After three hours, you're tensing your shoulder, your arm's starting to work, your neck starts where. After seven hours, your arms got starting to go numb, it's trembling, your body's got severe pain down it. Well, all we're doing, we've got the same cup of water, we're in the same, I keep putting mine down. You mm. don't, you're holding to yours, you're holding yours so strong and you're not releasing it. It's the same thing with the mind. I will never talk about mental health issues and I will never talk that. You, you're going and seeing things that no human being should see. You, you're dealing with things. I was, I was scraping people up with shovels that are decomposed so badly and putting them in bin liners. So oh like all can do is imagine two ton of jelly and you're scraping it up. That's what it will like. And I'm putting them in bin liners. You should never have to see that. Why do I? Have to I see can't. That? I can't comprehend the fact that you were made to do these types of jobs, but then there was no one afterwards, even there, to ask if you're okay, because yeah. you've then got to go and do the same thing tomorrow and be firing on all cylinders, but. It's chipping, like, obviously what's happened is it's chipped away over the years. So mm. say you did dealt with an instance on the Monday and you deal with four more over the week by Friday, although you may look like you're still the same person, it's all chipping away. And there's always going to be, a you know, a blowing point. I can't yeah. believe that only until what it, it must have been within the last three years then that they've brought someone in. Yeah, so then your, your body, this is the facts though, your body and your mind are not supposed to deal with trauma. That's why it's called trauma. You're not supposed to deal with it. So one person, you might witness a child being knocked over and killed and then you might never be the same again. But we're doing this for 19 years, every single yeah. day of the week, day in, day out, fatal, car on fire, people burning to death, people hung, jumping off buildings, getting hit by trains, um, 
every single thing you, you can see, um, people screaming for their lives when they're in a burning car, you, noises that you're never going to get out of your head. You've seen these over and over again. So you, in theory, I've never dealt with the first one, the first hanging I ever went to. I've never dealt with that. So if you never deal with that, you're not dealing with everything else. And it's just a cavalcade of everything just tipping on top of you. And the OAI I always used to say, imagine having a, a bookshelf 100 foot high fully loaded with books. And you put another book, another book, another book. And all these books are fatals or serious trauma incidents. And you put them all on top. Then eventually it starts to lean towards you. So you're there with the stick holding it up. And how long are you supposed to hold this stick up for before it wants to fall? And you know, everyone's got one. There's no, and what really, really annoys me is since I left, there's loads of people that have slagged me off and people that I used to work with that were meant to be my friends. Uh, well, I can cope, why can't he cope and this sort of thing, but they've never lived my life. They've never, they've never switched the mum's ventilator off. The parents are still yeah. alive. They've never told the dad why he's got terminal cancer. They've never been to a child fatal to uh, first day back after they've buried the mum. Do you know what I mean? They've never yeah. dealt with it. But they always say, well, I can cope. Well, so hang on a minute. So you can cope. Your mind is designed. Just say God exists. Just say he exists and he's built you up in his factory of building people so you come out your mum at a certain time. He's built you with a mind to see decapitated children and think that's acceptable. To see people on fire and think that's acceptable. So if you're saying that you think that's acceptable, there's something medically and mentally wrong with you if you think yeah. that is acceptable. Another human being should never see another human being in a site of trauma such as ripped apart or decapitated. It's just not really meant to be. We're, we're all humans. We're all meant to embrace them. We're meant to hug and cuddle. That's why you when you see him, give him a cuddle, give him a kiss. You like human touch from your girlfriend. We're not meant to see certain things. That's why there's there's ratings on certain films because you, and there's only so much you can put into a film before they say you're not allowed to put this out. It's just too too graphic or whatever it is. It's it's not yeah. right. We're not meant to deal with that. So if you're saying your body and mind is equipped to deal with that over 19 years and you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of decapitated children, people torn apart, people on fire, you are medically and mentally not right because mm. everyone from fire service to ambulance service to police to army, navy, air force, everyone has got a limit in the body. Now, it might yeah. be two, it might be 100, it might be 200, but it affects every single person and it will affect every single person on earth. So say it doesn't affect you, you're lying. You, mm. You're just a liar. And it's just not called to you, but it will catch up to yeah. you. It'll catch up to you when you're 80-year-old. It'll catch up to you when you're 50-year-old. It'll catch up to you when you're 30-year-old. But it'll catch up to you and it'll catch up to you when you're sat at a restaurant having a meal and with your wife or your kids and you just burst into tears because you're not meant to see what we see. And this is not yeah. meant to say, we please, it's, it's emergency service, it's people, soldiers. It, you're just not meant to see it. And that's when soldiers do two tours of Afghanistan, see the friends blowing up, come home, and they're ruined for life. Yeah. And it's like, well, I've seen my men, friend blown up. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Though. So you've seen someone blown up, you've seen the injuries. You're not meant to see that trauma. Your brain is not meant to get out to see that trauma. And that's why he said, well, I, I, I can put my hand up now and I say, I've got mental health issues. I know I'm not right. I can tell you I'm poorly and I'll never be right ever again. But if you think you can sit there and say that it doesn't bother me, and then, well, you've got more or more severe issues than I've got. It that like what I really loved about your your YouTube channel and stuff is you are you are very open to just go, you know, I have mental health issues, I you know, I am ill, I have this wrong with me and this wrong with me because you don't see it. And especially like to be sort of stereotypical from, you know, someone who's like a, you know, older male 
works in the police, you know, you think of him as like, you know, the big guy, you don't see it from anyone like that. And then all of a sudden when, you know, someone's come out of the police and gone, I hold my hands up, you know, I've got, I've got mental health issues. I've got this, that is really refreshing to see. Cause obviously when people deal with issues and what have you and trauma, it makes it feel like they're not on their own when someone like yourself has dealt with it. Yeah. The way I see it is I see it as a, if people give you a platform, They've given you that platform. You should use that platform for good. Now, I, this is really funny. I've been in a pub a while ago, almost about six months ago, and people were talking, and some people were talking about me, not negatively, but just talking about me, and that's him over there, and blah, blah, blah. And I saw, I saw one person, and I, I talked to him about it. And I'm like, it, it was like this alpha male thing, you know, builders. I'm a builder. I'm this, I'm that. I'm an engineer. And, you know, rough and tumble. And I'm like, so you think you're not tougher as in like having a fight, but you think you're tougher than me. You think you're, you think you're, you've seen more. You think you're more of a man because you play Sunday league football. You think you're more of an alpha male because you're working on a building site. And, well, you haven't done half of things like that. You haven't, when was the last time you drove 163 miles an hour in the pursuit? When was the last time you tackled a burglar to the ground? When was the last time you arrested someone who just killed someone and he threatened to mm. find you and kill you? When was the last time you picked a dead child up off the floor? And you can see him go, yeah, you might be a, you might go play Sunday League football and nick 10 pints and eat a fry up yeah. every day and then go to pub with your mates and then be on your building site, but don't make you a man, don't make you a tough guy, don't make you so don't ever judge anybody because of what they've done. And if I can turn around now and say, Yeah, I'm I cry myself to sleep most nights and I've got a massive mental health issue and um I, I, I you know what I mean I struggle to talk to people, I struggle to look people in the eye. But if I can say, why can't you? Well, yeah. I'm out with and I'm like, well, so I've got mental health issues. Can you not say it? And you can see them go, fucking hell, yeah, I've got no say. Either I say it because then you challenge them, then you've, hang on, if he can say it and he's done this and I'm meant to be this tough guy, well, if I can't say it now, I've technically backed down. I'm not this tough guy I thought. So you can say, well, yeah, I do have issues. So then you just come out now in front of your mates and now you do have issues. Now we're all talking. Now we're all on the same platform. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I see what you mean. So you've always got this this breed of alphas. And then if you're an alpha yourself and you're an alpha and you put your hand up and say, I've got issues, well, those other alphas then have got to go, they can't laugh at you because it's like a, damn it, he's done one more thing than me. It's basically the same as going, we're all alphas, I can do 100 push-ups. So I'll do yeah. what you do 100 push-ups. If you can't do 100 push-ups, I'm a better alpha. So if I say I've got mental health issues, you've got to now say it. Either you've got some sort of issues or you've had issues or you're going through issues. Because if they say, well, you're not your weight, well, uh, you're lying. Because everyone's worried about money. Everyone's worried about family. Everyone's worried about the health. Everyone's cried on a night or said something on a night. Everyone's worried about the mum and dad. Everyone's got everyone's got their own issues. Everyone's struggled at work, struggled at uni, struggled at this. Everyone's got some sort of issues. And if you can't say it, well, why can't you say it? So I've never met yeah. you before. And I... I say I, I struggle. I say I struggle with my mental illness. I, I, I'm doped up on tablets just to put myself on an even keel. But of course, people can't see it. They think it's not real. It's wrong. It shouldn't yeah. be like that. With dealing with the, you know, the fatals and stuff like that, how how did you, because obviously, as we said, it was like it's chipping away. It's constantly chipping away. How did you manage to go, like when you went home in the morning or the evening, how did you portray like, your normal self like how did you carry on going about your day-to-day because like so for example 
you said about trauma and we're not made to see trauma. Like, you know, when you see a TV show and there's trauma in it, you don't process it. You don't see it as what it is. Like, for example, the, you know, like the stroke advert that we see, like, about hands, face, yeah. all that. You look at that and you're like, it's nothing. But then I remember the day my nan had a stroke and I was sat across from her. I've never felt a feeling like it where I just, my whole, I felt like I was just melting. And I yeah. just went into like, just autopilot, like, you know, call the ambulance. And then afterwards I just sat there, I was like, what? Like, I, I, I didn't feel normal for days after that. Yeah. It was something that really, that was one incident that really fucked with me. Like, how did you manage day after day, come home and just yeah. try and be yourself? Alcohol. Lots of alcohol. Yeah. Uh, lots of red wine. Uh, drinking red wine profusely, drinking shot. Used to come from a night shift and sit in front garden and drink brandy and, and whiskey or whatever could get my hands on. So people would be going to work at seven in the morning. I'd be like, morning, kind of cowling in my hand, morning. And then um, distancing yourself. So when you always say, Kim, coppers are all weird. Well, we're not weird. We just don't want to be dealing with odd, strange, weird people. In Asda, when we're like, just swept up a child that night yeah. before and you're worried about you know what i mean oh i answered my bail tonight chief you know i've got to fuck off leave me alone oh you're all like this cop i'm not i'm just like i've got 13 year old dead girls fucking blood on my hands i want to go home i want to drink i want to i want to be left alone on my own so there were all these times we'd drop into asda or morrison's when it just opened when i finished shifts to buy shit loads of beer and alcohol and wine um, that's why a lot of people have a lot of others have drinking habits or drink profusely. And it's only when you get to a certain thing you think, I need to stop doing this, I need to be pulling myself out. Um the after the two-year-old fatal, um, the day after my mum's funeral, or the uh, the first day back after my mum's funeral, I'd have gone back to work that day, I'd have been drunk. because uh, I did two bottles of wine when I got home. Uh an hour back in, uh, I'd have been drunk. I drove to work, I'd have been drunk. I run Julie wow. had a bit drunk, but I was at that point in my life where I'm technically probably past caring. Um, mm-hmm. The reason being is, like you said, your trauma is not real. It's because, and like you said, we you say your mum or your nan. Your nan, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's because you, ex, not you, but you expect everyone else to do it. Yeah. And that's why everyone does it because it's, hang on a minute, that's why when we're off duty now and something happens, right? Yeah, it's a car crash, let's go do that. Oh, woman's falling off, she needs CPR, let's go do that. Because we do it all the time. It's because we do it and no one else does it. So you, the idea being is when something happens because everyone expels, expects someone else to do it. Hang on, there's no one else to do it. It falls on me then. I've got to be the one that rings 999. I've got to be the one. And I'll give you an example of this. So I've been in job for like 19 years, expert in what I do, camera cucumber, uh, air and alarm at three o'clock morning, look out and some burglars across road stealing a Subaru while I climb it up. The amount of panic that went through my fucking body because I'm like naked and I'm falling over up bed sheets. I'm trying to ring 999 at night. It's because you're just not, you're not doing it. You just, oh, well, I'm in bed. I mean, if I were in, in my clothes and I were outside the street, that's different because you can see it and canalize it. But I'd walk up and I'd look through a blind. And I'm like, oh, you know, three in the morning, mm. you're staggering around your bedroom. And the amount of panic that were in my brain trying to get my phone, trying to ring 999, because I just, some, it's some, it should have been someone else's that rung 999. And I should have been the one that got dressed and run outside, but I couldn't process it in my head. And it's when you can't process something, you expect someone else to be doing it for you and you've got to do it. 
you've got a, a nice chance you've got to step up to play and it's hard isn't it you've got to yeah. be the one that rings 909 you've got to be the one that's calm on the phone you've got to be the one that's giving them the the simp signs and symptoms and your nan's name and your date of birth and this sort of thing and then when you you know they're on the way and they arrive it's fine then you there's a certain bit of pressure that comes down because like i can step back now it's, it's that it's the afterwards it's when everything fit everything's done it that for me it was like when the you know the ambulance and the paramedics had left they'd taken her and i just sat there in a in a flat i just sort of sat there with me in my hands i was like yeah. i can't even comprehend what's just happened like yeah. you just you can't and it because you, you don't expect it to happen to with you there you don't yeah. you know like life's dandy life's fucking you know you go about daily life everyone's happy as larry and you just go about it you don't expect you know in my case my nan to have a stroke right in front of me while we're just watching tv can you imagine what that's like after your first 10 weeks and you get out of a police car and there's someone in the road that needs cpr and there's like 20 people watching and all of a sudden they all just turn around and go ethan's here yeah just look at you and go "Go on ethan and you're like this is what i really yeah someone's you've got 10 of them like that with phone out and you've got to like start doing cpr no one's coming You've got 20 minutes at least before ambulance gets there. Then you've got to coordinate people. You've got to tell ambulance. You've got to tell police. You've got to do this. You've got to tell everyone to get back. You've got to stop the traffic and you've got to do CPR. And that pressure when they're all looking at you. So when you ambulance got there and you can step back, imagine that person that you are the ambulance. You have that person mm-hmm. that, and they're all looking at you. And it's horrible. And especially yeah. that day you get back and your mum's just died. It's horrible. When I got out of that two-year-old, I remember getting out and I remember this lad saying, I could hear him all, all people, I'm not, dead body in the road, and I could hear all these people say, thank fuck, real police are here now. And I got out and I'm like, all I could think about was my mum. And there's a little kid in the road with his little Converse shoes on and his little, little hands rolled up like that in, in the road, in the head. What do, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Start, start crying. What do you want me to do? I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm crying. My head's gone. It's but crazy, it's isn't it? Like, it's the way people go, oh, thank God the, the police are here, <laughs> as if you're trained. Because, like, you, you could you weren't trained to deal with that situation with that kid. Ambulance arrived and they started crying. All paramedics started crying. No one, who wants to see that? It's just something yeah. you should never, ever see. There's not one person that got to that scene and thought, that, that, that upset me, or that's. I'm not meant to see it. And now the bobbies that did get there and start doing the role, they don't go up and start looking at the body. But if they'd have done, they'd have, they'd have, so we covered it over, covered him over. And then they're dealing with the crime scene then, which is a crime scene. That's what they're trained to do. You're trained to do, but you're not trained to deal and see with the body. And that's what I had to put on my shoulders. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm sick of people that saying, well, you should be able to cope with that. Well, why should I be able to cope with that? No, if James Bond were a real person, it'd bother him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It'd bother every mm. single person. If Superman were a real person, he'd get it. it can bother him and he's from Krypton. So don't tell me that a Bobby from Bingley and my sharks is not meant to be get bothered because it's a load of shit. And that's what really upsets me about the fact of people with mental health. That's why people struggle to come forward because they're going to get judged. They're afraid to be judged. And they're, they're afraid of the stigma and stereotype it's going to lead them. And I'm, not, I'm just not bothered what people think about me. Like you said, if you watch my YouTube videos, you'll probably look at some comments. I'm just not bothered. It doesn't, because yeah. all these people that make comments are keyboard warriors that won't say out to my face. 
And then it's like, well, you walk in my shoes, you do what I've done. And if you if you want to swap lives and have the pain I've got and have the stress I've got and have the worries I've got and have the, the depression and the suicidal thoughts I've got, I'll trade you. I'll, I'll trade you tomorrow. But the, not one person will step in my shoes. Thought, oh, yeah. no, sort of fuck that. And it's like, well, yeah, exactly. So don't, don't ever judge anyone. Don't, and that's why I see it. Everyone I see mm. and treat... Everyone's treated the same, and everyone's treated with love and respect and kindness until you burn me, and then you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so you you said there about obviously your YouTube channel, like so. What made you want to start this thing up, and you know, spread this like spread awareness of you know mental health issues, specifically in your case within the police and stuff like that. Well, it, it, it so I didn't work like that. I mean, I wrote a book. Um, which the book were only meant to be the book were from my therapist. So the therapist said, because you can't get you, because I, I couldn't speak properly. I couldn't deal with stuff and I couldn't just get, get it out. And I said, well, I'm dyslexic. It doesn't matter. Just type. So obviously that's why word comes in. Um, so I wrote and then I sent it to my best friend's dad, who's an author. And he just says, this would make a good book. So it went into book form. It went to number one. So it was bestseller. And then I got loads of radio interviews and I got loads of TV appearances and this sort of thing about this Bobby writing a book about mental health. Um, and it did, re- did really, really well. And I've got a friend in local radio called Danny Milo who um, does what's called Pulse Radio Pierce. He's, he's quite famous, really, in West Yorkshire, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and he's a massive fan of the show. And I contacted him and said, I want to do something called a podcast. And I'm a technophobe. So to me, this isn't a podcast. This is weird. Isn't yeah. it? The podcast is me, a bit like Joe Rogan, where I'm yeah. sat in this and I'm just chatting shit. That's what I wanted to do. But I wanted to do it on the term of mental health. And you can't ever do what you want to do because it just doesn't work out like that. So he says, I know what I call Josh. And Josh owns a studio where beard meets food films. Yeah, I know of him, yeah. Um, and where I film, we all film at the same studio. Um, Josh contacted me and says... Uh, Danny's been in contact. I really start, I want to start a, a um, podcast up. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know what podcast is. Yeah, I want to do it. So I did a video call with Josh and I outlined a story about the Porsche job. Uh, it's one of my videos where Porsche um, driver's killed and his wife's phoning. And uh, I, I did this on FaceTime or whatever it is, WhatsApp or whatever. And I remember after 10 minutes, Josh is like, with mouth open, he says, this isn't a podcast, this is a YouTube channel. And I, well, I again, don't know what that is. This is come to the studio. Well, I'll sort it out. I'll film it, and then we'll go from there. So that's how the the job that broke me we filmed. Yeah, I've watched um, that. And then that were it. I never wanted to. I don't want to be a YouTuber it's for little rubbery kids that don't shave, innit? It's like, <laughs> well, it is, innit? It's like, well, I'm forty-seven. Forty-six. I'm forty-six. I don't know how old I am. Um, I don't want to be a YouTuber. It's for kids. And then it just went stratospheric. More videos were put out, it just went. And then we realised that we're putting stuff out and we're putting stuff out and it's coming out about the mental health aspects and the the, the work-related aspects and the, the things that you see that people want to know. And yeah, it just got, it got really big, really quickly. Um, and then that's when the podcast started then. So I'm like, well, if I've got this platform now, I want to do podcasts. Released my second book, went to number one again. Um, and it's just it's just it's just gone on. So I now lecture for people about mental health. We've got a clothing line which sells worldwide. Um, we're 
going through the stage of being a charity to aid funding. So where I had no one to talk to, that person then, if it was someone now, would ring people like me and we'd put them through private training, uh, private mental yeah. health therapy. Um, and then, yeah, so now I'm filming for Channel 5. Um, I keep going to London for new series. We're doing different programmes, um, which will be in, on in February. There's three separate programmes I'm filming for. Um, we do meet and greets. We do massive car shows. And it's just ballooned. It's it, it's gone to this massive aspect of it, it's it's followed worldwide now. It's followed by people in um, I've got people that are Navy SEALs that follow us in in states in special forces, in different police forces in Toronto and wherever they follow us. I've got mates South Wales, um, South SW Police, so it's South Wales or not New South Wales or New South down Wales. There. Yeah, New South Wales. Yeah, and people down there. There's people all in Europe, different police forces in the day. I've got people in Finland and different parts all over there that follow us. And it's just it's just gone because I think I've just hit the nail on the head with the men's mental health at the right time. Um, but I, I didn't do it to be where we are. But if you're doing it, you need to put it down and do it for the right reasons. So that's why we're doing it about PTSD, the clothing, uh, yeah. the, the, the things that you can get, the the lectures It's and talking about stuff. But we also want to do the entertaining things as well. So make people laugh on the YouTube videos, talk about stuff that people don't really get to know about. But I'm not a dancing monkey in any way, shape or form. I'm not going to put out stuff that I don't like to put out. And I'm not going to sell my soul to the devil and be this person that starts just doing stupid stuff. I want to talk about policey stuff. So one of the next things that I want to start to do, I want to try and get a load of old traffic cars. Um, that are actually yeah. the police cars and, and demo them and let you know why they'd be a good traffic car um yeah if we can get some classic police cars we'll get some classic police cars and do some driving tactics and stuff like that but just do it on a runway you know yeah explain why we do stuff and what it were like what it must be like in the 80s and but i'm not doing it for my gratification i'm doing it so people want to know and like that court thing and um but it's not easy when you you class as a youtuber because like people say oh what content are you bring out next one well, I didn't do it to bring content out. I did it to tell you about my journey and talk about men's mental health. Um, so it's just where I see it, it's an open field, but the podcasts are enjoyable because um, we get people on like Martin Ibbett who were blown up at Manchester bombing. I don't know if you've listened yeah. to it. I haven't. I was going to listen to it, actually. I've got yeah, it downloaded Craig to Harrison. listen to. I call Craig Harrison, who's got the Guinness Book Record for world's longest sniper kill. But he's got most of them have got mental health issues from what they've been through. That's why we do it. We're not we don't just pick random people. They've got mental health issues or they've been through mental health issues. So he's got PTSD now. But Martin was blown up Manchester bombing and um, but he's Clan Kilimanjaro raised money for spinal awareness. You know what I mean? It's, so it's like you're giving something back for people to listen to, and that's what we want to do. It's like I can't see the point of doing it, me personally, and just being because uh, I'm not a celebrity in any way, shape, or form, but to be a celebrity. And yeah. just taking piss. I'm gonna get someone on to talk about ghosts. I'm gonna get someone on to talk about world ending. Well, yeah, I know it's fun, and you can do that. And people that do that, brilliant, fair play to them. But that's not what I want to do. I want to get people on to talk about their journey. And then it's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not about because, like I said, I, I could have at height of doing YouTube. I could have got just got someone on and do. a I'm not saying do a podcast yeah. with me too, but do it with someone who's got millions of followers, and that's someone else's job, not mine. I just want to do what I'm doing because I think people like what I'm doing, and that's it. And if it stops, it stops tomorrow, and I'll go get a normal job. I'll go, so, yeah. Don't bother. It's me. like for the for this, like I 
do this because it's just it, I wanted to speak to people who because the the main thing for this is high performance. It's like you know you'd speak speaking to athletes, entrepreneurs. I had a guy who was in he was a special agent in the DSS in the United States the other week. Had him on. I've had you on. You know, performing at high level as a police officer, that kind of stuff. But also then yeah. going through the story with them because not just for myself but for people who will listen there's so many lessons that you can take from it and for me it was it was about that i wanted to learn more and meet these interested people who otherwise i would never get to meet sort of thing it's like i always say everyone meets someone for a reason and i always say good people attract good people i don't get any shitbags wanting to do a podcast they're always good people wanting to learn and wanting to wanting to push forward with where they're going in their journey in life but that's all i ever say to people is I've been put here now. My mum and dad have gone for a reason. My my career ended for a reason. Everything stops for a reason. But if I can stop one person committing suicide, through I mean, I can I wear an Andy's Man Club. It's okay not to be okay. Wristband. I wear my my son's that made me that. Like with his name on. I've had that on for like eight months now. It's going rotten. But I won't take it off. But if I can stop one person from committing suicide by just talking to him, I'll do it. And I think that's a better aspect of living than it is to get a spotify deal for getting a million numbers on a on a, a podcast talking about banana waffles and or talking about you know what i mean first I'm, I'm up my room. <laughs> yeah now don't get me wrong i do want to have conversations about that but mine my, my journey about that my journey is trying to help people and i think I've, that's why i do what i do um yeah and yeah don't get me wrong i want to i want a lot of money i want millions of pounds but until someone comes forward and says, I'm going to give you millions of pounds, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so I said before, I wanted to get back onto sort of the topic of police and training in general. So I wanted to ask, do you, like, do you think the training for police is sufficient? I don't know what training, because I've been out of it for three years, I don't know what training they've got now. But when I joined, it were old school. It were you had to be so many GCCs, or you had to be so tall, or you had to do this, or you had to pass a carousel. So I joined as what you class as an old school bobby. Now they say you've got to have a degree, but you still join. I think you joined on some like four hundred pound more than what I joined on twenty one years ago. And I don't understand how that can be possible. You can earn more money now they're stacking shelves than you can as a police officer. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just not a good wage anymore. It's pants. My mate is manager of a car place. Like car spare place, it comes out with like three and a half grand a month. Well, I were coming out with two grand a month and I were working eight hours a week nights and having my face smashed in and being involved in collisions. It's just not how it is. And so the one of the main things is you're not going to get the right people through the door because the money's not the right thing. The pension is not the right thing. All those days are gone for having a good pension. And then just because you've got a degree, I've not got a degree and I'm not being funny. I thought I was shit ass Bobby. I thought I was brilliant. I put murderers away for life. I've brought crime down. I've, I've seized millions of pounds worth of vehicles. I've had some of the best pursuits you can think of. I've put uh, paedophiles away. Um, does that mean I'm, I'm not going to be a good boy if I don't have, a, don't have a, a degree against my name? I think that's crap. So along with that comes the the, the application features and, and what you do. And there's too much now, and, and I'm not being derogatory against anyone or any anything shape and I need to be tread careful in what I'm I'm doing. But it's too thing too many things now of you need to have uh, an inclusion basis or you need to have we need to let so many non-binary or we need to let so many 
people of uh, of um, uh, mixed. Well, how can I put it? Uh, um, a, a mixed background, such as yeah. you might have. You, you might need so many people from a different. Um, I need. I need to really tread carefully. This ethnicities and no, no, stuff. no. As in, like, not ethnicity. This is what I'm saying about. Well, yeah, there's ethnicity as well, but we. we you, you, you might have to put it up when we have so many people coming from, say, either South Africa or Poland or Ukraine or whatever, because not about ethnicity, but to do with we want everyone from different backgrounds. They want people that speak Polish, they want people that speak Russian, they want people that speak. So they're not going to get that from Barry Bethel way from Birmingham because they want people coming from EU, which is yeah, enjoying, which is brilliant. Um, but it doesn't mean they're the best people for the job. You could have. 200 people that are the best people for the job, but because they don't meet the criteria of what they're wanting to come through, they're not going to get the job. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that's why we're struggling. Um, and I think that's why, so they're not giving the money, they're not giving the, the respect anymore, they're not and they're not giving the, the roles that they should be given. But I also think as well, and they're giving the jobs out to people to fill certain criteria when they should be giving to, jobs out to the people that are the best at being the role. Because yeah. I think there's a massive, massive difference there. You, fine, you can give jobs out. Say we've got 50 jobs to give out. Ten of those need to be uh, white males. Ten of them need to be white females. And the rest need to be made up of all different backgrounds and diversities. And That's spot on and not an issue. But if you've got, just say, for instance, 200 people there, that in the, those 200 people are white females, and they're going to be better bobbies than all the other, well, why are you not bringing 50 white females into the job? That are going to be yeah. better than others. Yeah, but we need to bring so and so in. Well, that's fine, but you might have issues with these people because of X, Y, and Z, or you might have cultural differences between these people because X, Y, and Z. Where those fifty females would have been the best people or be the best people in the job, but it doesn't work like that. I'm not. I'm not the boss. And the way I can see, it, if I were, if I had my own company of, um, let's just call it BSP Media. And I apply for a job, and I've got I've got four jobs going. Well, f- the four people that apply, and I don't care who you are, what color, race, religion, ethnicity, background, wherever you come from in the world, the four best people will get those four jobs. And it's not yeah. well, I'm going to give th- three jobs to this person or this kind of person, one job to this kind of person. It's the four people get the four jobs, and then they've got to be best for the role. And I don't care who you are. That's the issue I think with the police, and the, what they're trying to do is. They're trying to fit categories into these people. So you've got to have so you think about it, how many people want to join the police in the first place? Well, not a right lot anymore because it's a it's it's frowned upon now where before it would be kudos to be a police officer, it's not anymore. So you want to get a diverse population who have got a degree, who are happy to spend all 80 hours a week doing this on 19 grand a year. It's just not gonna happen. No. And you're filtering your options so far down that the people you like you are letting in. Yeah, they might have passed what you're expecting to do in the role, but how do you know that ethically they're right? They might just be shitbags that fill the, the right role. They might be criminals. They might have a criminal yeah. mindset, but they filtered through the role, and you shouldn't do that. You should you should have it other way around where you need to look at the ethical thing first. Are these people going to be good for the role? Is this, like you said, you might have 10 white males. Are the 10 white males coming through good for the role? Well, if they've all got underlying issues or the, the, the link to criminal fraternity. No, get rid of them. They shouldn't get rid of them. What about these other people? That come, are they good? No, get rid of them as well. And it should be the putting for 50 jobs 
and the 50 people that fill those jobs need to be the best 50 people you can get regardless of who you are and i don't see i i've never seen um i've worked with alongside some of the best bobbies in the world and they've been from different parts of the world they've been from different religions did they've been different colors and they've got different cultural differences and they've been some of the best people in the world but they've been the best people to fill that job at that time and that's how it should be and it doesn't yeah. work because they've got a degree that's not why they've taken the job they've taken the job because they wanted to make a difference in their world they want to make a difference in other people's world and all for the better and that's why they got a job and that's why they made the best bobbies does that make sense i think with the degree thing as well it it kind of grinds my gears a bit because it's such an old school method of employment where you're looking at like oh they have like a first or a two one it's like you can get a first or a two like at universities in the uk a lot of degrees including mine that i did the first year actually doesn't count towards your final grade I just had to, so my first year I had to get 40% to mean that I could carry on in year two. But then that 40% doesn't actually count to the final grade that gets put on the piece of paper at the end. Yeah. Like, so you can piss about for an entire year, scrape through, and then second year, third year, you can then just go copy your mates. As long as you change a few words, people yeah. can get away with it. Just because I've gone and done that, and does that mean I'm better for the role as a policeman than the, yeah. the kid who's genuinely like tactically there? You know, yeah. he's, he could go out and do a job straight away. It does, that's what doesn't make sense to me. It's too it's old It's like school. you look at, look at army and you imagine they always say you had to have a degree to get in army. Well, mm. armies, this is no disrespect to anyone, but most armies fill up by kids that are coming from broken homes or council estates or rough areas that want to change their life for the better. And they come in, they get broken down, they get built back up and they become expert and absolutely fantastic soldiers. But you speak to everyone like, oh, people I've had on, like people from, I've had people from SES, like Chris Ryan and stuff. They've all come from poor backgrounds or bad backgrounds or they've come from this side and other to get out of the area. That Imagine saying to fucking people that have come out of university with a degree with £80,000 debt. Well, you're going to be a soldier on infantry for 17 grand a year. They'll be like, what the fuck? And risk you're going yeah. to get shot and killed. Well, I'm not going to do so. Everyone's, but they're the best people for the job. It's not anything bad, but they're because the, they could do something I can't do. I don't have what they've got to be able to do what they've got. I don't have the skills inside me as well to be a doctor. I'm not brain yeah. enough. So, what is the problem with turning around to people and saying, regardless who you are, you just do not have what it takes to be a Bobby? But you, they're not yeah. doing that now. They're doing that. You've got a degree, you've passed this, you're in. And then people, when I joined, I joined for a, I joined for life. It was a job forever. Once you went to police, you were never coming out. But people doing it now as a stepping stone. They're only joining for a year or maybe two years and leaving. They're doing oh, wow. it to have them a CV. You know, I, I was a police yeah. officer. And that's why it's like, so it's not a job for life anymore because there's no incentives. So mm. you haven't worked longer. So you haven't worked 35 years for half the pension you would have got in the first place. And it's just Wild. it's wrong. When I joined, it was 30 years maximum, but you could retire after 25 years because they put it in there that they think, well, 25 years of being in car chases, being beat up, working nights, being slagged down and not everything is really basically enough because like a lot of people just don't work nights in the first place, but you're doing 25 years. You so you can retire after that, but you retire on a short pension. Most people did 30 years and then just retired on a good pension. Those days are gone now. So that's why you're not getting the bobbit calendar and you're never going to, you're never going to turn it around now until you go back to basic methods and you make it a good job where good people want to join. I'm going to join there because I'm making a difference to society. 
and the thing that's not going on now and i'm not i'm not pointing out but the thing that's going on now in the met and weeding out all these people in the met it, it's like i just, I just how, how you keep track of fifty thousand officers is beyond me yeah. i went to take that concert once with seventeen thousand people and i'm like i've never seen so many people in my life now you have fifty thousand police officers in all these boroughs how can you keep a track of all these bobbies yeah hr department Oh my god! Yeah, I can't even imagine. There must be people that be walking around in 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 Met that are probably retired ten years ago that are still there, but still getting paid, and no one stopped the wage. There's probably mm. people that have been fired that are still there that have not got. It's just it's how can you keep track of that many people? It's beyond me. It's it is it is crazy. Like it's this is the thing. I think it's like with you know, like we said before we started. Like I'd spoken to the guy who's a doctor, and he was like, I get paid double the money and do normal hours and they actually care about me i think that's what's getting lost in the uk now is with police roles with nhs roles all this sort of stuff the government and the people higher up have lost that care for the staff they've lost that you know they've lost touch with the fact that prices are rising and that pay is now not equaling that rise so these people are like you know it's causing absolute mayhem it's causing anxiety it's causing all sorts of problems but they just don't care yeah whereas like yeah. here yeah. you look at the yeah. level yeah that's what different called, public servant and you just don't you don't matter because you work for them and they do what they want with you and it is that simple where it shouldn't be like that it should be there's, there's I, I could get on the politics issues here mate and we've gone forever but i won't do it because i'm going down a rabbit hole but you should value your staff. And any you go to McDonald's and they've got a really star ticked for while who's employee a month. You don't get any of that. You get told to come in, you do your job, and all you get told is you do more with less. We've got less people on, but you're doing more. And you're gonna like it and bear it. And then you get to an officially a year where you retire and that's it, you're done. And you are a number. I've gone from being, like I said, highly thought of and one of the best on my team and around, um, to just literally being kicked straight out. And you're gone, and no one rings you, no one cares. You're just a number, and you're placeable, and that's it. You're gone. And I'm like, I thought a bit more to that. No, nope. I went to an office, so chief superintendent sat there and went, Sorry, mate, you've just fallen through cracks. Oh, we can deal for you. If not, cheers. Thanks for, thanks for 19 years. I like, so my life's destroyed now. My mental health's destroyed now, and I've fallen through cracks. Um, they went, Yeah. So I said, Well, of all due respect, now I don't work for you, and I'm not a bobby. And it's like, You've, and I'll beep, beep, beep. And I'll actually sat there as a, was a bobby and I'm fucking letting rip at this boss. And I told him how fucking shitty why and how disgusting he was and how how he failed everyone. And he's just sat there with mouth up and thinking like, you can't speak to me like this. But I can't do that work for you. But we don't get told. No one gets told. But it's how it's always going to be and it's never going to change. It's never going to change until someone comes in power and thinks about how they treat people and how they treat everybody. Everyone should be treated exactly the same, but they're not. People in power yeah. can do what they want and everyone else has got to suffer. It shouldn't be like that. Definitely. So 1965 PTSD awareness. Where, why did you bring out this clothing brand? And obviously it's to raise awareness for PTSD, but so oh, wrong side. Wrong side. <laughs> so why, why did you bring it out? Um, the thing is with PTSD awareness, PTSD is not just about soldiers. It's not just about bobbies that have been in, awful events or firefighters it's about everyone can have some sort of issues and it's just not talked about um 
the reason we brought it out is because we're not fashion people we're not brand people but it's just a, it's just a thing and with the following i had with 1965 being my column number um it was just something to give a little bit back so we did it we just didn't think it'd do anything and then we we again there's people all over the world wearing it we, we've had family members and neighbors go down to beach in cornwall and there's people running around with t-shirts on um we're going all day and there's people we see wearing all this clothes it's just honestly it's bizarre you can go anywhere and like i said um my brother went on holiday and he's walking down beach in a foreign country and someone's coming to the way wearing one of his t-shirts it's just it's just absolutely bizarre and all we want to do we want to give someone a talking point and that's all it is we, it's literally a all oh, right yeah and people do it so my uh next door number one she's gone down to um beach in cornwall she and this girl wearing this top she's like that's one of ben's tops there so she's taken a photo and she sent it to me so i'm like oh that's holly one of his fans oh, and she's a big fan of holly um so next day she's come back down and she's wearing another hoodie uh, so when he's gone over and when he's like oh i'm ben's neighbor and the next thing i've just often started talking what's it taken why is that that conversation yeah. not started first but it started over a hoodie so why can't we do that anyway so that's why we've done the pens the water bottles so you can be at the gym you can be in an office you can wear the pins on your top you can wear the pins on anything and it's a starting conversation everyone wears it They've always told me that they're wearing it and someone comes up to him in gym and says, that's one of Ben's tops, is that? Or that's a, and they literally just start, oh, yeah, yeah, I follow him because I'm a Bobby. Oh, I'm a Bobby too. Or I'm a merger. And that's, and it's done to break down those barriers and it's worked. And everyone that's wore it has always said it's worked. That That's why they do it. And we're yeah. massively, me and Dan are massively proud of what we've accomplished with it. And we're just going to keep doing it and doing it until people say stop. But yeah, we love it's it. Incredible. All stuff's really comfortable. It's really warm, uh, and it makes a massive difference for us then to be known. We've made a little bit of a difference in someone's lives. Um, yeah. But like Craig Harrison, we've just sent him some stuff. He's the one with a Guinness Book of Records. But he, he does uh, lots of lectures and talks, and he's, he says, "I'm I'm wearing it all the time." I'm massive proud. People come over and talk, but then it gets him talking, and it, why can't we just talk? But and little things like, do you have ITV over there? Do you get it on satellite or like that? Uh, I I can get it, yeah. Right. Well, Ant and Deck do this thing now. Every every show Ant and Deck do, they put on this thing. Get Britain talking. Get Britain talking. Well, you're gonna get Britain talking over just oh, I watched Ant and Deck last night. Get Britain talking. So we're gonna talk about your mental health. It's just not that simple to put something on a TV channel to say get Britain talking. You need yeah. to have a reason to get you talking. We all want to talk. If I've not met you before and I'm in a bar and you come up to me and say. Hi, it's Ben in here, and I'm like, yeah, it's, hi, it's he. Hi, you all right? You've got to have a reason to talk. What is that reason? Well, I follow YouTube. Oh, brilliant, thank you. Or, I follow this or I follow that, uh, and then that's mm. fantastic. But so we always do that. Well, if you if you do don't know me and you don't know them, but they're wearing the same clothes as you, that's why you get them talking, and that's what I think is good about it. Yeah. One final question for you is: How would you like to be remembered? Oh, I say this to people as well. Um, <laughs> I want to be remembered as a nice man and someone that made a difference. Now, I don't mean made a difference as in uh, I built the wall or I uh, invented the wheel. I just want to be someone that's tried to change the way people have thought of. Um, I wanted to get something written in a place that no one should ever have to go through what I've gone through. And it, oh, Now, this is still this, these cogs are still turning, so anything can be possible. But I have started, it, I, it has started a bit of a thing 
in the police. And it started all over the country. So the amount of bobbies that I went and did a lecture in South London and um, I pulled out of a place where I did a lecture and I thought, I've only got half a tank of fuel. So I drove to a petrol station and I'm filling the car up and also this police van comes in with these two bobbies and they're both looking at me and I'm like, and they don't say out to me. And they get out and one goes in and he stood at window looking. And then I set off and the phone beeps and I've been like two miles away pulling, looking for him. Uh, and it's like, I am a, I, I just see your petrol station, but I didn't want to sell it to you. Why do you want to sell it to me? Say something to me. Um, yeah. I'm a nice bloke. And I'm trying, so, but they'd heard of me. They were like, oh, I've bought your book. Uh, I like what you stand for. I'm buying this and buying. And I'm like, I want to be that person. I want to be that person that you can stop and talk to. I want to be that person that you remember being a sports Ben. He's, he's, a, he's a nice lad. I don't want anything for it. I don't want mm. a big check. I don't want you to pat me on the back and say brilliant. But I want that person that I'm happy to talk about my, like just say, for instance, you struggle now. Well, Ben said this. I'm happy to talk about my mental health. Speak to your mates in pub when you're having a drink with your mates. Sports is bought today and he's a really nice lad. Uh, and he's got me talking about my mental health. That's what I want to be remembered as the person that um, just I've tried. Um, I've tried to on a journey. My life's bugged itself up. But because mine's bugged itself up, yours doesn't have to. Um, and I suppose that's it, really. I don't really want anything from it. I just want to be um, get people talking, but in the right way. And yeah, be I'm just a nice bloke. And I just want to be remembered as that, really, as someone who tried. Is that right? Love it. That's great. Absolutely great. Um, I'll put all your links in the description below. Is there anything that's coming up that you want people, maybe want people to know about? Uh, don't, do you get Channel 5 over there? Uh, not here, but most of my audience is UK, so. Uh, well, we've got a new programme coming up on Channel 5. I think it's called Motorway Madness. There's Road Rage UK, and I think there's Caught on Camera as well. So most of these, I think, are coming out in February, so I'll be on Channel 5 in February again. Uh, a new book gets released, hopefully, in about three weeks. We're doing the cover for it next week, um, and that's called 1965 Code 11, which is Police Talk for Off-Duty. So... Uh, and that's going to be the final book in the technically series. And it's just basically about what we're doing now, how I'm coping now, jobs, funny jobs in the police, and just about a bit of life in general. So, yeah, uh, have a look for that. That'll be available on Amazon or on our own webpage, which is coming up soon. So, yeah, happy. Great. Great. Everyone, go and buy the book. Go and support him. What a great episode. Thank you for your time, Ben. Cheers, Ethan. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to part two of the Ben Pearson episode. I thought this was probably one of the best conversations I've had on the podcast, just in terms of the openness and the honesty from Ben himself. And also, we didn't just speak about it, we debated. We spoke about some of the issues within the police and how they may be changing now, which is a good thing, but also it's still not quite there. So... Again, thank you, Ben, for your time and all the honesty throughout the episode. I thought it was incredible. So remember, check his stuff out at the links below. And I will see you next week for another episode. Thank you.